0: God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. We're preaching our way through the book of Jonah, and we've made it all the way to verse 11. That's where we're picking up today. I don't know that we will not come back to Jonah chapter 1 in some way in the weeks ahead. I can tell you that it's currently our plan to get through verses 11 to 17 this morning. If you're using that pew Bible, it's on page 1068 right there in front of you. Feel free to grab that Bible and open that up. Many of you have asked about my arms and activity, and some of you are visiting the very first time. They're going, what did they do to him? It's been two months now since I fell while running, and we went back Friday. And, uh, you know, what is it? February 2nd is like Groundhog Day. And they say if the groundhog doesn't see a shadow, spring is coming. But if he does, he goes back in for six more weeks. Friday, I went to the doctor, and they said, I see your shadow. <laughs> so I get to wear this for six more weeks. It is an improvement, though. I could take it off every now and then, and that's a good thing. Thank you for praying. Thank you for asking. And we're still working on the elbow and the wrist. God's got it all under control. I have no doubt about that. But uh, just wanted to give you that update. And you're going, Jeff, how can we pray for you? Pray for Tuesday. Tuesday, I have an MRI on this wrist so that we can figure out if something else is going on in there. So just pray for that. But uh, thank you for asking. Thank you for caring and... uh, I love being part of a family, and uh, speaking of being part of a family, I tried to think about it this week, but I lost count. I do not know how many spankings I got growing up. I, I used all the fingers I had available, and there were, that was just like a week in my life. I, uh, it's likely that on many days, I remember being spanked more than once. Now, I don't know if anybody's ever been spanked more than once on a given day. I was. As I looked back, I deserved most of the spankings that I received. Most. Proverbs 13, 24 says, He who spares his rod hates his son but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. I felt growing up that I was the most loved boy in all the world. My mama loved me. My daddy loved me. My mama loved me again and again. As I grew up and I had my own children, I had to discipline them as well. Never once would I consider disciplining my children an easy thing. And regardless of how you discipline your child as a parent, it's hard. But I knew it was correct. And after disciplining my children, I would always come back in not too long after that and make sure everything was okay. Okay. Because it was hard to discipline, but it was correct, and it was right. Discipline is training, and that training involves both positive and negative aspects. Part of discipline is simply guiding someone to follow certain rules or to observe certain behaviors. Another part of discipline involves reproof to correct Disobedience. Now, we're on our way to Jonah chapter 1. You don't need to turn here, but if you're a note-taker, here's a really good passage from Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to read it for you, verses 5 through 11. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he Chastens. Now, I would encourage you to read all the way through verse 11. But whom the Lord loves, he chastens. I never recall looking back at a spanking that I got or any kind of discipline as I got older. I never remember now looking back going, my parents don't love me. No, I understand. It, it never caused me to question their love. So let's stand and read from Jonah chapter one, verses eleven to seventeen. Jonah chapter one, picking up in verse eleven, says, "Then they said to him," that would be the mariners speaking to Jonah. What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Thank you, you may be seated. Keep your scripture open. We start with a question in verse 11, and that question, as I stated, was from the mariners, those sailors on the ship that Jonah is on, and they are questioning Jonah. Last week, we left off that Jonah had admitted to them that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, and that he was the cause for the great storm or the wind that was raging that they were experiencing. And notice the question that they asked Jonah. They said, "What shall we do to you because you're the cause that the sea may be calm for us?" Note that the mariner's desire in this verse is simple. We just needed it to be calm. We just need this storm, this wind, this challenge, this issue that we are experiencing. We just need it to be calm. Now, they're not incorrect in this desire. There's nothing here biblically that I can say that it is wrong for them to want the calm to occur in their lives. This is likely similar to a desire that you have. I walked in Friday with an expectation of what the doctor was going to say, and I walked in Friday with a hope of what he was going to say. We always have this. It's okay to want to see calm come. We need to recognize that it's okay for that. But it's not just that we here in the church, it's okay for us who know God to desire Him to intercede and bring stillness to a calm situation. We need to recognize that it is not wrong for those who do not yet know Jesus to be seeking that same calm. Do you know that everybody is looking to still that raging storm in their life? They are. They'll try anything. They'll do anything to try to get it to stop. One of the reasons that they try everything or do anything is because they're seeking to get that raging to stop. And so we need to understand that where we find ourselves in verse 11 is that a group of mariners that have been crying out to little g gods for help, they're just trying to find a way to survive. What must we do to you to see calm? You know, it's interesting. Jonah, God's prophet, is supposed to be the one God has ordained to share the calm through God's love. Isn't that what you would expect people to do? People don't call me, hey, Pastor Jeff, can you come? We need you to talk to us. We're in a challenge. We've got this issue. And then I show up. And then I just make things worse. That's not what I've been called to do. That's not what they desire and call me for. It is not unreasonable for those that don't know Jesus who are in a storm to call out to those who know Jesus to help share calm. But Jonah, instead of being the one that God has ordained to bring calm, Jonah is now the cause of their problems. It's interesting. Think about this. Are we, as Christians, am I, make it personal, are you ever guilty of being the source of challenge in someone's life versus being the one who provides the answer? If you claim to know Christ, you know the truth. You have the truth. You know the answer. But are we ever the source of challenge in someone's life when we are being called by God to be the source of calm? You see, verse 11, it says that they are asking Jonah, what must we do to you so that the sea will be calm for us? And verse 11 goes on to say the reason they're asking this says, for the sea was growing more tempestuous. Now, Tempestuous, that was my word of the day. I had to figure out how to spell it because I had to write it a lot. It was in my New King James Version. Tempestuous. You know what I found is worse than tempestuous? More tempestuous. It's right there. They're experiencing a storm. They're wondering what to do. They turn to Jonah going, what are we supposed to do to you to get it to be calm for us? And while they're thinking that way, it's not just tempestuous anymore. It is more Tempestuous. You ever been there? You want it to be better, but it just gets worse. This caused me to go back to verse one. Now we're not going to restart the sermon series, but it caused me to go back to what we have read so far, and I wanted to look at the sea for just a moment. I. Maybe it's called personification, or maybe I'm trying to give it these attributes, but I wanted us just to notice the sea. Look in verse 3. Jonah fled to it. Verse 4, we talked, God hurled the wind at it, being the sea. Verse 4 says that the sea attacked the boat. And verse 11, this great wind was growing in its strength. The sea is a character in this that God is developing and choosing to use. So Jonah says in verse 12, he said, I know the answer to our problem. He said, the answer is pretty simple. Pick me up and throw me into the sea because this great tempest is because of me. And if you will... Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Verse 12 says, the sea will be calm for you. Church, it's about this time that it would not be unreasonable to be frustrated with Jonah. Now, I don't know how you feel about Jonah, but let me just encourage you a couple of things. Jonah is currently playing the villain. When a child of God hears the voice of God but doesn't do the will of God, that person is not serving God. And he's currently the villain. He's currently the one that knows the truth but isn't doing it, and other people are being challenged. He's impacting other people's lives. Let me just start with a very basic thing. Instead of him, Jonah, telling these men, I know the answer. The answer is, is, if you will pick me up and throw me in, the sea will be calm for you. Let me tell you what I believe the more appropriate child of God response to do, response for you to do when you find yourself in sin, running from God, causing shame to other people, Don't say, you guys need to throw me in. You know what Jonah should have done? He should have jumped in. When we know the truth, but we will not do it, that is not loving. You know the truth. If you know Jesus, you know the truth. Right? Church, do you know the truth if you know Jesus? I didn't ask you, did you know Jesus? But is it reasonable that someone who says they know Jesus, isn't it reasonable to say that they know the truth? You name the question, you name the need, the situation, or the tempestuous storm, you know the answer. And I was just struck by this, because you remember, two weeks ago, I stood right over here and we left Jonah at the end of chapter three in rebellion to God. And then last week, at the end of chapter, or verse 10, I ended up over here again. And where was Jonah? Still in rebellion to God. And here we are. We're not even through with today's scripture. We already know what's getting ready to happen. Jonah says, you need to throw me in. Jonah is not yet repentant or in alignment with God. He's still in rebellion to God. Do you know that we will leave today and Jonah will still be in rebellion to God? And you're going, Jeff, I don't understand how that's possible. To know God, to hear God, to run from God, to be disciplined by God, to be convicted of hurting other people because of your actions. And yet, you just stay out of God's will. Wouldn't it be easy to be frustrated with Jonah right now? Jonah's not a martyr. Martyrs die for purposes. And so it's an interesting thing. But I I was thinking, how often am I continually rebellious to the truth and the discipline and the conviction of God in my life. You would think that even if I were smart, I would have limited myself to one spanking per day. Right? You're going, Jeff, you must have been some kind of kid if your parents had to come after you more than once a day. And this is where God convicts me. How does he see me now? You know, Scripture said, we read in Hebrews, that whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he disciplines. Well, here's the great spiritual truth. God has raged the sea, thrown, hurled the storm, attacking the boat to get Jonah's attention. And we're not done with the book yet. We'll see how God gets his attention. But you know the beautiful thing is? God's not mad at Jonah. I mean, he's probably frustrated with Jonah. Just like you're frustrated when your children don't listen to you. But you never say, I'm done with them. No. God says, I love that boy. He pushes me, but I love that boy. And he says, I'm going to discipline him. And Jonah... You know what's the cool thing is? Jonah's been all these things, and God still loves him. Maybe right now, you find yourself in a challenge because of your fault that up to now, you've not been willing to face or do anything about. And you just needed to hear the words being reminded of you that even still, God loves you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Now, you shouldn't stay where you are. And you shouldn't keep doing what you're doing. This understanding, this epiphany of God loves you no matter where you are should drive you to him. Jonah's not there yet. He says, you want me out? You're going to have to throw me out. We're often like this, rebellious, know the answer, refuse to do it, expect somebody else to take up for it. The reason Jonah did not jump into the sea was because he's still in absolute, complete rebellion to God. Can I tell you this? You know this already. Before a Christian, rebellion against God is dangerous. It's not smart. It's not wise. Scripture has says that if you are his child and he loves you, he will not let you get away with it. You can get on a boat and go as far away as you want to. You can go down the bottom of that boat and take a big old nap. But God's going to know where you are. And if you don't listen to him, he'll hurl the wind at you. And if you don't listen to that, he'll cause it to become more tempestuous. Are you in any way rebelling against God right now? You claim to know Christ? You've got his word. The spirit lives inside of you. The one thing I know is if you are rebelling against God in this moment, you know you are. You know, just like Jonah said, I'm the cause. You know you are. Verse 13 says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to return land. You know, I don't know about you. But if I'm those men and that guy says I'm the problem, and he says go ahead and throw me over and it'll be calm for me, I don't know that I just don't pitch him over. But they go, no. Do you know there's something so good about the spirit of a person, even one who does not know Jesus yet, there's a lot of hope in a person. And they go, no, we can't give up on him. we got to try. And they try. And they try, and, they, and I just made some of you mad, because you watch the movement of this left arm, and you go, you shouldn't be using that arm that much. So let's start this way. They try, and you know what happens if you do this and you're actually in a boat? You just go in circles. So at least I was trying to get us someplace, right? But they try. They're going, no, we're not going to give up on you. Do you know that sometimes in this world the people who don't know Jesus are more compassionate and loving than those who do? That should not be. Amen. Do we church do we agree that if we know Jesus and know the truth, we should not be able to be outloved or outlived when we yield to Christ? But yet these sailors are going, "We're not giving up on you, Jonah." Verse 13 also says that even though they tried, they could not get back to land. Verse 13, for the sea, you know what's worse than tempestuous? More tempestuous. You know what's worse than more tempestuous? Continued to grow even more tempestuous. Right there it is. This storm, God's saying, it's not going away. Look at verse 13. Look at this word. Verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. All of a sudden, Scripture turns the light on. We need to recognize this is not just some storm. They go, "Uh uh-oh. We're in a tug of war against God. And every time we pull, he pulls harder. And they said, okay. So in verse 14, they determined that throwing Jonah into the sea was the only way out. But look at verse 14. Therefore they cried out and they asked the Lord not to charge it for them. But look at the verse, O Lord, you, O Lord, have done this as it pleased you. They just recognize that this storm and its increasing severity is the hand of God coming out to discipline Jonah. They're saying, Lord, you've done as it pleased you. Psalm 89.9 says, You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. The Lord is seeking to discipline Jonah. Even though Jonah is probably very frustrating, God still loves him. Verse 15, they throw Jonah into the sea. Look at what happens in verse 15. The sea ceased raging. It became calm for them. I'd like to speak for just a moment on the providence of God. Providence of God. Providence is two Latin words coming together. Pro meaning before, video meaning to see. Providence simply means that God sees it beforehand. Now it does not mean that God just knows it. Providence is much much more. Actually, providence is God sees to it. God brings it about. Providence is the working of God in advance to arrange circumstances and situations for the fulfilling of his purposes. You see, God had a plan for the world. So that means God had a plan for Nineveh. That means God had a plan for Jonah. When Jonah rebelled, God had a plan for the boat. God had a plan for a tempestuous wind. And because of God's providence... God had prepared a great fish for Jonah. Oh, we finally got there. We've been waiting to get to this fish. Can I just tell you that if you go by mentions, if this were a movie, and the credits of this movie ran in the order of number of mentions or appearances, Do you know who would get top billing in this? Not the fish. Not even Jonah. God. God Almighty would get top billing. He is listed more than twice as many times as Jonah. Jonah is mentioned twice as many times as the mariners. Jonah is mentioned more than the Ninevites. But let me tell you who's mentioned even less than the Ninevites? The fish. Be careful that you don't think Jonah is a story about a fish. Now, we're going to talk about that fish, not today. We're going to talk about that fish. But I do want to say something about this fish before we stop talking about him. It says that the Lord had prepared. That is an already happened kind of activity. Well, how did you know you were going to need it? He's God. He knows how far it's going to take to get Jonah to the point of turning. Here's the bad news. Or, here's the good news. He knows how far it's going to take for you. Before you stop rebelling as well. And because He loves you, He's gonna keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. The providence of God. I wonder what He has planned for you. Do you find yourself today obedient or disobedient to the plans of God? God may be seeking to use you to bring about His providence. For your life or for someone else's? Are you being a source of calm? Or a source of tempestuous winds in the life of those around you? It matters how you live. If you are the cause of the wind, prepare yourself for the discipline of the Lord. Recognize today... That you need to return to the Lord. Because the Lord will not, because of in his character, he cannot allow your rebellion as his child to go undisciplined. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says this. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Back to parenting 101. Parents know better. Kids have opinions. And every now and then, you get into a standoff. And I believe that parents who yield in the standoff to the kids do great harm to the kids and to themselves and to the rest of us. Now, you guys know it's true. You're going, man, they need to to discipline that child. I'm not talking about your child. I'm talking about everybody else's child. You discipline your child perfectly. It's everybody else that's failing you because they won't discipline their child. God will not be that kind of parent. He will discipline his children. Here's the question. I've asked it two weeks in a row. Here's the third week. Does your heart match the heart of God as it relates to the salvation of all people. Do you see all people as valuable? Do you see God's love in coming after his children as right? Where are you in God's discipline target? I pray that you and God are absolutely in complete and thorough alignment. When he speaks, you respond by doing what he says. Because Jonah responded by going the wrong way. Church, if today you find yourself as the cause of a problem, getting caught up in something, today you don't have to do it any longer. You don't have to wait for God to throw you into the sea. You know what you can do? Jump. Jump right into the hands of God. You ever thought about discipline for a second? One of my greatest feelings of discipline, because it, it hurt me to discipline my children. It hurts me to discipline anybody. But I can remember, after the time in the room was had, after all the sniffles had stopped, they'd come back out. They'd run to you, and everything would be okay. Can I tell you that if you find yourself, one, in need of discipline, turn to God now. He will not let up on you until you turn. But two, if you find yourself in the middle of God's discipline, turn to Him now. He will not let up until you do. But if you're coming out of that time, run to His arms and thank Him for loving you so much that He disciplined you. wonder what God has planned for us? I do know it's probably not to be on a boat in great tempestuous winds in the opposite direction of what he's called for you to be. Today, you can just run back into his arms. I pray that you will. Jonah hasn't. You're going, what's it going to take for that boy to see it? Sometimes this pastor says the same thing. What's it going to take for that person to see it? Here's the promise. God will love you enough to not stop until you're restored. Amen? Maybe today is a day of restoration. I know that the Word of God has challenged us. And revealed the heart of God. I know that the Spirit of God has been working in and amongst each of us. I pray now that you will allow the Son of God to be your Lord and allow you to lead back. And if for some reason you don't know Jesus as your Savior yet, it all makes sense. Today, you can't.